Unshamers, it's been a while. I know it has. And before we even dive into the new episode, I feel like I do owe everyone a little explanation on why I've been gone so long. I took a break because I've been balancing a lot at the moment. I'm currently in graduate school. I'm getting my master's degree in journalism right now. And I'm also putting together a brand new podcast that will sort of be unshaming interview style but it'll be focused on history. So I'm hoping you can listen to that. This summer, I'm hoping to give you a lot more information on when that's coming and all the details very soon. But clearly I'm here, so I obviously couldn't stay away from unshaming for too long. So with that, I do want to get into this episode. I'm really, really excited about it. I had the privilege of interviewing royalty. My guest is a prince, Prince Menbendra Gohil. He is one of the few royals in the world who is openly gay. His family's royal history dates back to over 600 years ago in India. And I was so interested to do this interview because sometimes as Americans, we fantasize about what it would mean to be a royal, the palaces, the luxury, the opulence. So I was excited to get a sneak peek into the life of a prince. But I was really shocked when I learned from Prince Manvendra that being a royal comes with its own set of issues. He grew up with a devastatingly lonely childhood. He didn't really have a relationship with his parents until he was 10 years old. And his royal status made his coming out very difficult. So we're going to talk about all of that in the episode. You're going to hear firsthand from a prince what all of that was like and i'll tell you my own opinion it's very interesting these days prince manvendra is heading up an incredible charity that shelters and assists lgbtq youth that have left a homophobic home the charity also works to stop the spread of hiv in india i know you're gonna want to know more about prince manvendra he is such a fascinating Men and so in the show notes i've actually linked a couple of goodies he did an interview with oprah a couple of years ago so i've put that in there the new york times also wrote a fabulous article on him and i've also included a link to his charity so you can get to know him a little bit more in his work as well so without further ado this is the shame of being gay and royal so prince Mavendra, thank you for joining us on unshaming today this is awesome to have you so why don't we start off talking about your childhood so many of us especially in america and in the u.s we we don't have royals but we grow up watching the fairy tales and the princes and the princesses on disney and have such a vision of what that's like and such a romanticized vision of what that's like but from what you've told me, that was the opposite of what your childhood was like. So tell us, what was your childhood like as a prince? India became independent in 1947 and it's a democratic republic now. But uh, still, we are the custodian of this uh, rich cultural heritage, which we have inherited from our ancestors. And uh, our dynasty has been pretty old. It's, it dates back to the 13th uh, century. So we are 650 year old dynasty so we can imagine our entire grooming has been focused on how to talk in public how to behave how to sit how to communicate public speaking is something very important 
and uh, i mean i remember i was uh, as young as 10 when i was invited as a chief guest for a school annual function to talk to the students to the teachers to the principals i mean that doesn't happen in every family i mean it's it happens only in privileged families like ours where uh, you are invited as at that young age but uh, the flip side of the story is that you know everyone you know there's a saying in english that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence so everyone think oh he's a prince he's a royal from a royal family he's got all the luxuries and everything in life but little do they know that in most royal families we lack the natural love and affection which we should get from our parents i never oh, got that tell me more about that so i was raised by a nanny uh, by a governess who was uh, employed by the royal family to take care of me and not just me i mean my mother had in fact my the nanny who raised me also raised my mother so she was the second generation raising me my father had a english nanny and we are all raised by nannies you know so we the parents don't raise us so that's the sad story in in royals we are not attached we don't have the attachment to parents we don't have the love and we don't have the natural love and affection i would go to other people's homes which i mean not not much but quite rarely and they i would see the mothers you know sitting on uh, the the children sitting on the mom's laps and the mother caressing the child and loving and and i used to think that does that really happen like that i mean why doesn't my mother do that you know so i i, I mean till now i have not developed the attachment with my parents i do not miss them because i have not uh, i i do miss my nanny yeah definitely i miss my nanny uh she passed away almost 30 years back i miss her but i i i, I don't think i i miss my parents especially i never miss my mother because she never took care of me that's what happens in royal families there is no love somebody asked me what do you how do you define love i said well love is something which is unconditional and, and uh, love is something which you cannot go to a market and say i want a pound of love or i want a liter of love or i want a gallon of love you cannot measure love it has to come uh, you know naturally and that's something which i have i have missed in my life so from the time you were a child to 10 years old there was no interaction between you and your biological mother at all no i mean in fact the, she would be she would talk to me sometimes and then suddenly stop talking to me and then i would wonder why i mean i and then when i grew a little older i realized that it is the same thing which with my mother and my grandmother that's her mother had the relation very similar you know i mean even they did not have a good relation with each other so i think it just uh, runs in the family you know it must be happening in other royal families also it's except that i i have been very vocal about it and i have talked about it and other royal families just pretend and say oh we are the happiest family and we have a good connections in fact many royals don't like the way i am honest because they don't want the royal secret to be out you know they don't want the people should know what is the reality but uh, i say i don't care i i will be honest to myself and i will speak the truth you know prince venvendra I, i can't help but be shocked by what you're telling me that you didn't have a relationship with your own mother until you were 10 years old do you think it's affected you now yeah definitely uh, i see it uh, as a disappointment and and it i feel uh, you know uh, sometimes i feel that do they re- did they really want a child 
I mean, if you if you are giving birth to a child, then it is the duty of the parent to take care of the child, to raise the child. Because after all, I was in her womb for nine months. And people used to notice, you know, and people used to tell me, is she really your mother? Is she your stepmother? You know, the, my, the, the, my classmates would visit me and uh, I said, well, unfortunately, she is my real mother. She's not my stepmother. But like that realization came to uh, my sister. My sister was also, I have a younger sister now. So when my sister became a mother, she realized that she should not keep a nanny to take care of her children. And she raised them herself because she knew the drawback. She, she has seen me not have getting the natural love from my, my mother. So she didn't want to make that mistake again for her children. So in terms of your greater childhood, there was definitely this piece of your parents that was missing from your childhood. What about everything else? Do you think you had a normal childhood? Were you able to go outside? Were you able to play with friends? Were you able to to feel like you had the freedom of being a child, even though you didn't have this relationship with your parents? No, I think my childhood was absolutely abnormal. I will not call it normal because I had I had no freedom whatsoever. Uh, I had no freedom to make friends. In fact, we were always told that you need to make friends of your status or of your reputation. I turned out to be a very, very introvert student, reserved, shy, passive. In fact, I was, I was very good in studies, but the teacher, the only remark the teacher used to give was that he's a very shy, passive student. He doesn't talk to anyone and he's very, very reserved. And so I, I, I literally ended up uh, having friends, not in human beings, but uh, I used to rescue animals as, as a child, uh, uh, you know, squirrels and birds and lot of lot of animals as to birds and animal and birds as to rescue. So I ultimately the you know who turned out to be my friends? The animals and birds I rescued. They were my friends and, and though I uh, though they were not able to communicate to me verbally, orally, but I was not allowed to make friends in human beings. So my animals became my friends and that's how my childhood was spent. Were you ever allowed to leave the the grounds no we there was there was very strict pro- protocol in fact somewhere i have mentioned that the first time i crossed the street on my own was when i was 16 and i'm still very scared to be very honest i'm still still scared crossing the road because i lack that confidence because you are raised in such a protected atmosphere that you're not allowed to do the things you you should be doing i i wasn't allowed to ride a bicycle can you imagine that I mean, I was I was riding a, wow. a tricycle when I was very young, and then from tricycle they put me onto a quadricycle, which means a, a cycle with four wheels. So you know, if I should not fall, I wasn't allowed to fall. I've never fallen in my life, you know, because they would say, "Oh, if he falls, then he'll get hurt and all that." So you know, I was so much pampered. So, but so basically, I, I realized, mistakes. Uh, yeah, exactly. I I realized how important it to fall because. When you fall, you 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 get hurt, and that makes you a strong individual. You know that how you learn from your mistakes. But if you're not allowed to fall and make you know make mistakes and all, then you know you you don't uh, end up in a very confident manner. So therefore, I I would say my childhood was not at all normal. I would call it abnormal childhood, even though I I grew up in the lap of luxury and everything. But 
still i would not call it a normal childhood do you feel like it was sort of a prison living in the palace definitely 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 it was a prison for me because uh, see what is a prison prison is some a place uh, it need not be a like a, a a kind of a space or an area it is it is an expression it's it's the way how you are raised how you are treated uh, and how you are controlled i was brought up in a very protected atmosphere like a cocoon you know when you are within a cocoon you are not allowed to do anything of your own and your your the your freedom is snatched away from you and you are you are made to feel dependent on other people like even if i need a glass of water i i wasn't allowed to go and get it you know the, it was it, i had to just order it and it would come to me so i i i didn't know you know the what are the what are the, the basic things one needs to do in life everything was uh, controlled everything was like you know when i was in, uh, even in a, i was studying in a place in mumbai i mean bombay it was called in those days bombay is a very expensive city it's like new york you know we had this huge mansion with seven bedrooms and um, 22 servants you know i mean 22 servants in the place like bombay is 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 like you know unthinkable of and uh, that's how i was my schooling happened in this uh, this premises you know this is so fascinating to me because we have such a fantasy of being a prince or a princess in america and it sounds like from your perspective did you ever wish that you were born into a, a regular person's family definitely i mean the, as i mentioned in the beginning that uh, there is a saying uh, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence so as others would wish that oh we i we wish we were born in a royal family i was wishing the other way around i said i i wish i would have been born in a commoner's family at least i would have got the natural love and affection from my parents i would have got the freedom i would have had friends uh, i would have so many things in my life mm. so prince manvendra fast forwarding to your coming out story i was reading that you were actually married to a woman and the marriage was very was annulled very shortly after you were married so what was that like see marriage uh, in indian societies uh, is a part of your life you're part of your growing up whether you're royal you're not royal whether you're straight you're gay or whatever sexuality you are from and uh, for me because uh, i had no clue about my sexuality as i mentioned to you in the beginning that the basic uh, communication uh, and exposure was missing in my growing up so i had absolutely no clue what i was though i knew i was different sexual sex sexually i mean i, I there was an attraction towards the same sex but i had no name for it no meaning for it and then when i i came to age where my, i reached the age where you search for your life partners you get life partners i was uh, shown a number of princesses because uh, if you are belonging to a royal family you have to get married to a royal person and especially i come from a direct lineage where i am the crown prince so we have to get married to somebody who is from the direct family and therefore i was shown a number of princesses and i i voluntarily chose to get married to somebody whom uh, i thought would be the best fit for me and that's how i ended up 
getting married it wasn't forced on me it was my own choice and uh, and uh, and i say this because uh, i had no clue about my sexuality if i would have known that uh, i am gay or then probably i would not have got married but i had absolutely no clue about my sexuality the wedding was this a big indian royal wedding yes yes definitely i am wow. i'm the only son and the crown prince and the uh, the princess i got married also was the only daughter of that family the only princess so there it was, it was a grand affair which stretched on to almost a week you know week long celebrations and a uh, lot of uh, uh, festivals and uh, ceremonies and went on for days together at the end of this i imagine comes the pressure to consummate the marriage after the ceremonies the festivals the food the colors all of that so yeah. you're then <laughs> i guess you know at this moment what do you tell her do you tell her i'm sorry i'm sick or i can't do this i mean at the end of all the ceremonies and all even she was tired and then nothing happened for quite some time and then uh when the you know the, there was a chance that we could be together uh, I, i mean in fact you will be horrified to know that even uh, my honeymoon was not private you know when you go for honeymoons normally it's just a couple which goes and then they they have a good time together and come back my honeymoon consisted of a chauffeur driven car a butler and the secretary traveling with me to the honeymoon and coming back again so there was no privacy in that as well you know so you can imagine how much of restrictions are imposed even for a married couple you're not even allowed to be in your own space together you know there is always somebody interfering with your private life so after all that happened and when the time came uh, uh, i i just said well uh, i don't feel like doing anything because i just have i i have a headache and then the next day she uh, i got up in the morning and she was crying and i so i thought oh perhaps she's crying because she may be homesick because she may be feeling lonely and she'd like to go back to her parents so i said okay don't worry i'll i'll drop you off at your parents place very soon because again in indian societies you know women are not allowed to express themselves or to be vocal especially in the royal families so if they are hurt or they are disappointed they will not speak anything so i i dropped her at her parents place she lived there for a week or 10 days and came back and and then yet still the routine continued but nothing happened we our marriage lasted for 15 months but we never consummated the wedding why do you think she was crying in that moment i mean it was very obvious that uh, now she has all the luxuries in her life that's fine i mean she's got married to a crown prince she had the palace she had jewelry she had uh, all the fortunes possible but that's not the only thing which any every woman seeks for you a woman is also has to be given a sexual satisfaction and so when you are not receiving that then you will be de- definitely disappointed and as i said she cannot talk about it and tell us what she told you after the marriage was annulled fortunately for me the marriage was annulled uh, uh, without much of any difficulty and all because uh, non consummation of marriage is a very valid ground for divorce in india but uh, 
before she we actually separated and before she left she told me one thing that look you did try to spoil my life please don't do this to any other women those are the words which made me think what went wrong in this wedding that's how my journey of self exploration started because those words like this they kind of hit my heart and like instigated me that i must find out the reality what has gone wrong why didn't the marriage get consummated was it my fault was it her fault what was it there was a turning point in my life after those words we'll be right back it has been such a long winter here in new york i am so excited for summer after being cooped up in the house all winter long i'm going to be dancing more i'm going to be drinking some cosmos this summer and definitely staying out a little later and when i get back home on those late warm nights i'm running straight to my bed with my brooklinen sheets brooklinen is an amazing bedding brand they started in 2014 to create luxury without breaking the bank and they don't just make linen, they offer everything from snuggly sheets to cozy towels and robes, sweats, accessories, and much more. My favorite is their classic white buttery sheets. If you need the extra nudge, you can check out their over 100,000 five-star reviews online right now. And for a limited time, Brooklinen is offering you a free gift with your purchase. You can use the promo code UNSHAMING anytime for $20 off your purchase of $100 or more at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code UNSHAMING for $20 off your purchase today. Brooklinen, the curators of comfort. So you're 26 years old and you are out of a marriage. You're now excited to explore who you are. How does this work? Yeah. After our annulment of the marriage, for a few months, she was uh, single and uh, got remarried again. And after she got remarried, the pressure of for my marriage increased because now it was for my parents and my family to prove that, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. And so this again started searching for girls and princesses and this and that. But I, I wanted to find out the reality. So I, I put, a, put a hold to all that. I said, look, I'm not in a mood to get married again because I've just gone, come out of a, a divorce and all. So I'm not mentally prepared. In that process, I met uh, a gentleman by the name of Ashok. And Ashok happens to be India's first gay activist, the, the first person in India to come out as gay. He came out sometime in the 1980s. I read about him somewhere and I said, there's nothing wrong in, in meeting this person and trying to find out what my behavior is. And I, I approached him as a counselor to get counseled. It was through counseling that he helped me come to terms to the my reality. And he said, look, whatever was your behavior in your childhood and whatever you've experienced, he helped me give an identity to my behavior. And, and I finally identified myself as a gay man. And not just that, he also told me that, look, you're not the only one. There are several of us. They're not just thousands. They're not just uh, millions. There are, there are several millions of us all over the world. And it's absolutely natural and normal. You should not have 
any kind of guilt feeling for who you are rather you should feel proud of your sexuality now uh, and he also gave me an exposure to the gay world but for doing all this i had to also sacrifice a lot i had to literally break the royal protocols and venture out because if i would have been within the four walls of uh, the palace and the royal household i wouldn't have been allowed to do this so i actually had to do a lot of uh, like you know break the rules break the protocols the regulations and step out of the space it sounds as though ashok was kind of the game changing figure in your life he was the first person to really see you prince manmendra how, how do you feel about him as you tell your story and as you reflect on your story so it's a very interesting thing that like, uh, as i mentioned in the beginning that i lacked the natural love and affection from my parents especially my mother so i started calling ashok amma and amma in indian language again means mom ashok ended up in becoming mm. my biological mom i mean even though he is a male he he likes being called amma and there are many in india who call him amma so i i got the a third mother in my life he ended up becoming and we still share a, a relationship of a parent and a child and especially after my nanny had passed away uh, i had nobody in my life who i could you know call mom and he replaced that and he he loves me like a parent loves me like our mother loves a son and we 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 share that kind of a bond that's beautiful when you are in the process of accepting yourself how did you now take this information to your family where there are dynamics of homophobia there's so much pressure on you to get married to a princess to continue the family name how did you communicate this so what had happened was that uh, uh, i was getting tremendous pressure to get married not just from the family but from the people of my town because uh, we are we are worshiped like gods like we are uh, for what my ancestors have done the the people of my our town were very much anxious and wanting to know uh, you know when am i getting married when am i going to produce the next heir at those pressures mounting too much on me on the other side i was leading a life of hypocrite and life having to tell lies and i am not that kind of a person i have always been a person who, who would like to be an honest person and here i was forced to tell lies one day i just collapsed i had to be admitted to the hospital and uh, i was uh, diagnosed as having a nervous breakdown and while the doctor was counseling me under sedation under sedatives i came out to him i came out to the doctor he was a psychiatrist and i said well doctor this is the reason why i am undergoing all this problems in my life and uh, uh, to my surprise he was he turned out to be a very gay friendly doctor and he said well if you are gay there's nothing wrong in it uh, it's absolutely natural and normal and uh, i would if you permit i would like to talk to your parents your family about your sexuality and maybe that will help you in the hospital itself he called my parents my my family and he and fact, he told them about my sexuality so the nervous breakdown was basically the culmination of all of the pressure that you were putting yes. on yourself to 
live this double life essentially and you couldn't right. take it your body couldn't take it yes exactly so the doctor tells your family that you're gay then what it doesn't end there they are in a complete state of denial they said no doctor we do not believe it's not possible we have given him the best upbringing we given him the best school education the best cultural upbringing the grooming so it's not possible he's gay my mother knew of about uh, ashok because he happened to be my our neighbor and she also knew that ashok's gay and then they said well now we know who the culprit is he has made our son gay for his own vested interest because uh, he wants to promote homosexuality in india and therefore he has used our son and he knows that our that our son is from a royal family he's a prince so ashok became the villain of the story and then they told the doctor that look we don't care what he has done but we are adamant on curing him because they thought it was a disease or it was a disorder they said we will put him to mental give him mental shocks we subject him to shock therapy once he gets a shock he will automatically get treated uh, but unfortunately for them and fortunately for me mumbai the place where i was sick was quite sensitized and a lot of psychiatrists and the people dealing with mental health issues had got sensitized about homosexuality so none of them uh, agreed they said no we we will will not subject him to shock therapy so then they said okay if science doesn't work then the next thing which works is religion so then they started taking me to various religious leaders all over the country and uh, i was so fed up by then you know because i was getting subject to all kinds of people but then ashok had told me that look please cooperate with your parents let them fully get satisfied that you know from within you that you cannot become straight again science is not going to make you straight religion is not going to make you straight but let them get satisfied themselves so i i did whatever they said and seriously did whatever i was told like one guy said become vegetarian i became vegetarian other guy said drink well water i started drinking well water another one said do yoga i started doing <laughs> yoga and for 3 right. years 3 years literally i did all those things which these religious leaders across in india told me to do and instead of becoming straight i became even more gay than before so that's so, you know, normally how it works that's <laughs> that frustration and you know a very interesting thing uh, later on i came to know that some of the religious leaders i met were themselves gays and lesbians you know mm. it, so so it's so it's, it's such a hypocritical world you know this imagine you the parents taking me to the leaders uh, who are themselves belonging to the lgbt community what advice are they going to give me to make me straight basically you know within yourself this is who i am nothing's going to change i'm doing this to satisfy my parents are they at that point fed up with you are you basically saying i'm i'm done with this i'm not going to change what happens when you put your foot down and stand up to them they were losing a battle and they uh, they were not ready to lose it the main fear they had was what if the people around them come to know so long this this was just a royal secret known within the four walls of the palace it it hadn't leaked out so But it's really the had, shame that drives the whole process it's the fear of being ashamed exactly it is a fear of being ashamed 
that uh, they they were they were not knowing how how the people would react when they would if they would know this and you know so then therefore they were hell bent upon doing something to destroy me and then the the next thing which they started was emotional blackmail then she started threatening me that i am going to tell all your best friends i'll go to tell all the people you are connected with and associated with your friends will stop talking to you they'll disassociate with you ashok had told me that look they will threaten but they will never do it because as you rightly put it they are they will be ashamed you know they will be they will be themselves ashamed of telling this to anyone so let them threaten you let them do whatever they want to do they are not going to do any you just be confident and do whatever you are doing uh i had reached that saturation point in my life like you know there's there's enough is enough you cannot be ill treated tormented traumatized and discriminated for no fault of yours and that's when i took the decision that uh, if she is going to tell a b and c or x y and z i'm going to tell the whole world at a certain point you lose your family but you gain a family in a way from the friends that you're making and this foundation yes what was it like giving back in that way through the foundation that you had created you were now gaining a, a sense of community what was that like for you i mean i had to be put up with so much of discrimination and stigma and everything in my life for no fault of ours mine so i thought let me give a better life to the people who are you know in a similar situation and that's the reason i started uh, this foundation called lakshya trust to give a platform to the community the lgbt community to come together and i i decided to start a shelter home in in the eventuality of coming out to their parents would be thrown out from home they would be homeless they would be undergoing depression suicidal attempts no place to go no nobody to support them no social support system i could house them i would could keep them give them the family which they would have got if they were with their their biological family and but give them that support give them that social support system they where they could be loved uh, and they could be given financial empowerment so that was my way of giving back to the community so everything that you did not receive from your own parents you wanted to give to other lgbt youth and other lgbt people yes exactly i i have now so many of my the community who some of them call me mom some of them call me dad some of them call me uncle some of them call me aunt some of, they all i have got like you know all the all the relatives possible i've got a huge family you know so i i now i i don't miss on my biological family i said doesn't matter i did not get a mother or did not get a father or did not get love and affection from them i have got so many children now within in the gay community and i they love me and i love them and we have we have a huge family you know it's it's a it's it, the family grows you know it, it's it's not ending it's it's a the family keeps growing every time prince manendra at this point in your life you have started to develop confidence you've accepted yourself for who you are and then love comes in your life tell us about yes. that so uh, i always had believed that whether you're gay or you're straight or whatever sexuality come from one definitely needs a companion one needs somebody to 
you know, where with whom you could share and care and, you know, have some mutual understanding with each other. I was fortunate that I found love. I got somebody in my life. Of course, we knew each other since a long time. He happens to be American. And uh, we met online. Initially, people asked me, how did you all meet? I said, we met online. So, you know, so we, we just dated online. We met online. And then uh, we met as friends. In fact, we never met as uh, partners. We met. We just met as friend, friends on social media. And the friendship uh, after three, almost three or four years of knowing each other, the friendship ultimately uh, got converted into a relationship. And uh, we were married in US in 2013. It's been eight years we've been married. He moved to India in 2014. He helped me build my shelter home. The entire shelter home was done with his efforts, with his ideas, with his knowledge, his expertise. We, we have built this shelter home, which we are calling it uh, Queer Bag. Bag is, is an Indian word, which means garden. So this uh, Queer Bag was uh, jointly done by both us, both of us. And they, they are all my family and we are, we are uh, taking good care of them. My last question for you, Prince Mamendra, you're happily married. You have a big and beautiful family, it sounds like. What do you say to the little boy, Prince Mamendra, in the palace who was confined to the palace grounds? You're happy now. What do you say to him? <laughs> That's a tricky question. What do I say to him? Well, I say to him that it's never too late to begin. Be who you are and be honest. And love is on the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Prince Mandendra. This was this was spectacular to hear your story. What a story. Thank you. I'm Jorgen Salvis, and you've been listening to Unchaming. For more information about anyone featured on the show, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Unshaming or visit unshamingpodcast.com. If you loved this episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you. So if you have questions or want to tell us what you're unshaming, DM us on Instagram or email us at unshamingpodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Mirzi for generously providing her original music. You can find her wherever you stream. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.